Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm thinking that Jesus is one in heaven on earth now. Because the Bible says wherever the, wherever the kingdom of God is, there's love, joy, and peace. And I, I've been to Calgary many times, and I notice and there's a distinct lack of love, joy, and peace. And we are carriers and containers of love, joy, and peace. And I want to share this morning how we actually get heaven's culture into our world so that we can bring atmospheric change, so that we can actually allow people to experience the kingdom of God of love, joy, and peace. In Luke chapter 9, there's a discussion going on with the disciples, and they say to Jesus, so Jesus, how do we get the kingdom to people? How do we get the kingdom to people? And so we come into chapter 10 and verse 5, and we have this narrative that I'd like to read, read to you. It says this in Luke chapter 10 and verse 5. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may the God of peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand, and if not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve pay. And if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So Jesus in this passage tells us four ways, a process that involves four steps of how we get heaven to earth, how we get heaven into our home, how we get heaven into our factory, how we get heaven into our university, how we get heaven into our street, how we get heaven into the school system. And it's very simply says, look, when, when you enter a community, when you enter a community, speak blessing into that community. That's the first thing we do. We speak blessing. And then he says, begin to develop friends, have fellowship with people who are not yet Christians. And then the third thing he says is this, serve them and meet their felt need. And then finally he says, proclaim and share the good news. And so I want to unpack those four little thoughts to you this morning. And uh, the first thought is, Jesus said, we are to speak blessing and peace into our environment. So that's sometimes a little challenging for us. It's sometimes difficult to bless people who have a different worldview to ourselves. It's sometimes difficult to bless people <coughs> who, 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 who have a, a stinky attitude. It's sometimes difficult to bless people who are diametrically opposed to our value system. And the reality is this, is that uh, we have been at war with people who are not yet Christians. We're irritated by them. We're annoyed with them. Some are even angry with them. But Jesus says that's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is you bring blessing. You bring peace. You bring goodness. You bring mercy. And you know, that normally starts first through the mouth. We learn to start blessing people. We learn to start affirming people. We learn to start encouraging people. And all of that is dragging heaven into our environment. 
We're not looking for an argument. We're looking at a way that we can be a blessing and an encouragement to people. Now, oftentimes in the workplace, you get, you get the gossip shop, don't you? Are you part of that? Just checking. You know, everything's bad. The manager's a plonker. The owner's, he's got sawdust for brain cells. And so it goes on and on and on. And, and it's really easy to be dragged into that negativity. But, you know, that's not our job. We are there to stand back, let all that go on, and then we're there to drag heaven right into that environment. How do we do that? We start blessing. We start affirming people. We start encouraging people. We start thanking people. We say, John, thanks for staying behind work on Thursday night. That really got the job across the line. Susan, that was just a phenomenal piece of work you did. Brilliant. Hey, hey, Yvonne, how, how did you learn to become such a great team member? You say, what's that got to do with the gospel? Everything. Because that's the kind of thing Jesus would say about them. Because Jesus is not hunting for mistakes. He's not hunting for mistakes. He's hunting for goodness and mercy and kindness and grace. And see, as you begin to do that, you do that for three, four, five, six, seven months. And do you know what happens? You'll get atmospheric change in that environment. You really will. If you are being challenged with maybe a teenage children, you start blessing instead of cursing. You start being kind instead of being angry. Things begin to change. What are we doing? We're dragging heaven right into that environment. You see, sometimes as Christians, we, we, we're not blessing, we're cursing. We're cursing people. We see somebody who likes a few beers, and maybe a few beers too much in our estimation. We say, oh, that person, they're going to have psoriasis of the liver. They keep on drinking like that. What are we doing? We just put a curse on them. Oh, look at that person. They should have quit, should have quit the cigarettes years ago. But what's that? They, oh, they're going to die of cancer. Get that curse on them. The Bible says there's the power of life and death is in the tongue. We're not called to curse. We're called to bless. We're called to affirm. We're called to be thankful. We're called to be grateful. We're called to be an encourager. And as we begin to do that, things begin to change in our atmosphere. Jesus said, speak blessing. See, you may want to turn up to work 30 minutes before everybody else twice a week. Start walking around the factory. Start saying, Father, I pray that you bless this place. Bless the owner. Bless the managers. The guy that works at this tool, tool shop here, Father, I just pray that you would bless him. And John, who's on this lathe machine, God, will you bless him? Or some of you work in an office and you start walking around, you start touching chairs and say, Lord, just, just, just bless Susan. And Greg, you know, he's such a misery guts, Jesus. Greg is such a misery guts. It's, there's probably a reason for that. Jesus, will you just fill him with joy? Will you fill him with hope? Will you fill him with future? And do you know what happens? Before anybody ever gets into that room, you've already changed the atmosphere because power of life and death is in the tongue. You've created an atmosphere of life. As you start blessing people, start driving up on your drive, start blessing your neighbors on the right, blessing your neighbors on the left. No, 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 I don't like the neighbors on the left. 
They're English. <laughs> They're snooty-nosed. They speak rather proper. They think they're the king and queen of Calgary. No, 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 we bless them. We bless them. And whatever's gone on in the past, as you begin to bless, you will quench irritation. You will quench hurt. You will quench the chasm that has come. Because as you begin to bless through your mouth, you'll start getting ideas of how you can physically bless them. And that'll be a good thing. We speak blessing and peace. And then Jesus said this, I want you to become friends with people who are not yet Christians. Friends. That's difficult, isn't it? The longer, we're, the longer we follow Jesus, most of us have less and less friends who are not Christians. We find ourselves in this beautiful Christian ghetto. Hello. And we tend to go into weirdness. Well, we don't want Christian friends because they don't speak like we speak. They have different... No, no, no. Jesus says, when you go into the city and someone invites you to their home, and they're going to keep on inviting, build long-term relationships with people. And these people are not targets for... They're not targets for evangelism. They They are opportunities for some humanity to experience the kindness and the goodness and the mercy of God, because it's not your job to bring them to Jesus. It's your job to love them. It's your job to be kind to them. It's your job to show them the goodness of God. That's our job. Jesus' job is to get them into the kingdom. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somebody plants a seed, somebody waters a seed, but it's God who gives the increase. Friendship. What's friendship like? I've been coming to Canada since 1981, as Mark said, so I know something about this Canadian culture. Let me tell you what a foreigner thinks a Canadian friendship looks like. Two blokes, guys, two guys know each other, 10, 12, 15 years, they're down the pub, they're having a beer together, one says to the other guy, mate, how are you doing? Fantastic. How are you doing? Brilliant. How's that job going? Amazing. I'm one of the lucky ones. I've still got a job. How's it going for you? No, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to get a promotion. I'm, I'm, I'm in the queue. I'm, I'm, you know, there's, a, there's the first interview next week. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. How's the wife? Oh, she's doing awesome. She's doing really well at her work. And how's your wife? Oh, she's gone back to university. She's, she's going to upskill herself. Oh, fantastic. What are the kids doing? Oh, kids are doing amazing. And how's your kids doing? Incredible. <laughs> See ya. That's called a Canadian friendship. Did you recognize that? You're smiling, but you curse me, because I know what you Canadians are like, right? <laughs> nice on the outside, ugly on the inside. No, just a thought, just a thought. <laughs> See, friendship goes nowhere until someone shares brokenness. Then you get some reality in the relationship. And it's our job to share brokenness. Because I don't know about you, 
I've been following Jesus for 46 years and I'm still not fixed. Like I wish I was fixed. There's a lot of other people in my world wish I was fixed. But I'm not fixed. There's still brokenness there that I need Jesus on a daily basis to help me with. But sometimes we create an impression with people that we're, 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 we're quite perfect. Two lease cars on the drive. Holiday in Phoenix once a year. European holiday every three years. We're fixed. We don't have any problems. That's just not real, right? I mean, they, they don't even think you sin. They don't even think you can spell the word. It's so long since you had that experience. They, they think that you don't sin. And they look at you and go, flipping Nora, heck, I'm never going to be like them. They're way too perfect. But what happens when we share brokenness? We let people into our world. And suddenly they go, what? You're a follower of Jesus and you're not a fourth member of the Trinity? What happened? Church I belonged to, there was a couple of ladies. Well, one lady who went to the church, one who didn't go to the church. And they had small children. That kids run about the same age, and they, they would walk their kids to school every day when they were little, take them to the school gates, wave goodbye to them, and come back, have a tea or a cup of coffee in someone's house on the way back. And as the kids graduated through school up into high school, they remained friends. And the lady who wasn't a Christian, she really had no interest in faith. And I mean, she'd come to church about once a year. One year, she'd come to the Mother's Day service. Another year she'd come to the carol service. She really had no interest in Jesus, faith, or the eternal world. But she had a mate, right? And a mate, a mate would invite her. So because she liked the mate, she'd come. And they're there having coffee one day, 15 years into the friendship. And the Christian lady says to the person without faith, Man, we're having, we're having a horrendous time with Michael, our 15-year-old. He's obnoxious, rude. Looks like if he's got a triple dose of testosterone. He's like uncontrollable. We, we're at our wits' end. We have no idea what to do. Look, your kids are roughly the same age. How have you dealt with this? Well, get this. You're using... Christian asking a non-Christian for parental advice. I thought, what would this person know? They don't even read the Bible. I know they've been on the planet 45 years, but they, what, would, what would you pick up in 45 years? So, well, it happened a little earlier with us. It happened with Chelsea when she was uh, 13. We had all this carry-on and these are the kind of things. These are the kind of things we did. Maybe that could help, you know. So, okay, fine. Appreciate that. But the non-faith ladies, oh, we've got problems. We've got real problems. We've got problems with Annie, our thirteen-year-old. She's got she's got anorexia. Thirteen got anorexia. In fact, we feel sure she's got bulimia, but we're not caught a puking up yet. And John, my husband, he's not coping. He's not, he's not coping at all because John is a Mr. Fix-It. In the corporate world, 
He fixes stuff. Cash flow problem in the country, fixes it. In the company, fixes it. Marketing problem, fixes it. Comes on, washing machines broke. He fixes it. He's Mr. Fixer. But he can't fix his little 13-year-old. And it's driving him crazy. In fact, he's hitting the bottle every night, half a bottle of wine at least every night, and it's not because it's Thursday. It's just he can't cope with the situation. So the Christian lady now, the Rolodex is going through her head. Who do I know? Any counselors, any Christian counselors, anybody? Well, she says, you know what? I think I know somebody who could help you, little Annie. Look, I can give you the number, or I can call them if you want to. I mean, I can come, make the introduction. They're great people. But suddenly, that relationship has gone to a whole new level, right? What happened? Somebody shared brokenness. We're not perfect, but we're still following Jesus. We're not perfect, but our faith is still intact. And see, we're, we're in a community here. We're in a community here where there's a lot of brokenness, but there's a lot of pretense. A lot of pretense in this city. A lot of pretense. A lot of, lot of charades being played. A lot of people... A lot of people projecting things that are quite untrue. You say, how do you know that? Like I've, I've been to Calgary at least 65 times. I've been in homes. I've been in businesses. I've been in churches. I've sat in coffee shops. I've engaged with people in restaurants. This is a city that is not just broken because of the economic downturn. There was lots of people broken before the economic downturn, but they managed to paper it over with stuff. And see, we, we're all the time, we're all the time wanting to get Jesus to people because we know that's their great need, but you know what? People are not interested. People are not interested in Jesus. They're quite interested in love, joy, and peace, though. <laughs> Jesus, they're not interested in. But love, joy, and peace. I don't know anybody who's not interested in love, joy, and peace. If, if they're not, just, just call the ambulance and take them to the hospital. See, and where the kingdom of God is, there's love, joy, and peace. Now, Jesus said this. He says, make, make good friends. Don't see, don't see those friends as gospel targets. Don't see them as potential evangelistic scouts. See them as somebody that you can keep on manifesting the undeserved goodness and kindness and mercy of God to because he does that to us and he wants us to do that to our world. And then he says this. He says, and then, then serve them, pray for them, and meet their felt needs. You see, there are people. There are people who have felt needs. It's not their real need. It's their felt need. They've just got to report that their, their wife has got cancer. She's going to die in six months unless something happens. They're not interested in talking about Jesus or heaven. 
I want to know how the hell am I going to get through the next six months? How's that going to happen? You got people in the economic downturn. They've either lost their job or the chop is on. No interest in Jesus. They've got other felonies. They're worried. Man, how are we going to pay the mortgage? Man, we shouldn't have put so much on the credit card. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be painful. And Jesus said, I want you to meet their felt need before I meet their real need. Because felt need is like loud music in people's ears. So we're wanting to get, they, can't, they don't get two stuffs about Jesus. Or about our gospel. Or about our good news. They're trying to deal with life. Jesus said, meet their felt need when you can. And when you can't, ask me to meet their felt need. So the 57-year-old who just lost his job wonders if he's ever going to work again. Absolutely petrified. Little savings, huge mortgage. Say, I'm going to pray that you get a job. Say, man, that's risky in this climate. No, 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 I thought we got a big God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that your husband will get a job. You're out there now, aren't you? And then three weeks later, the lady says, did you really pray for me because my husband got a job? They absolutely, absolutely did pray, did pray for you. Now I need another impossibility because there's obviously Jesus is interested in you. Can you give me another impossibility so I can get Jesus on that one too because he's really into you big time, I can see that. But there's other stuff, there's other stuff that you can practically meet. So I'm working with the Portland Foundation in one community in Romania, 98% unemployment. 98. The feeling of hopelessness is tangible. Do you know what good news is for that community? A job. A job. So we're working on economic development in that community. But while we're working on that, there are other issues that are there. There are... There are ladies every night, 365 nights of the year, they have to make a decision. Do I give my baby a diaper or do I give them a bottle because I can't afford both? How torturous is that? It's called a felt need. So we say, okay, over the next three years, we're going to take in 100,000 diapers every year. We're going to turn the volume down. Because they're not ready to listen about Jesus now. They just, how am I going to get through this night? What's, what's going to happen? And I'm going to turn the volume down. In that community, a large number of Roma or gypsy children. And because of the idiotic EU system, they have this system of inclusion where they want Romanians and Roma gypsies to study together, and they think differently, learn differently. And oftentimes, the gypsy kids... They get so frustrated by the time they're 8, 9, or 10, they quit school. Well, do you know what that guarantees? That guarantees, that guarantees the girls will be trafficked and the boys will go into crime. And you don't need a, you don't need a degree in social sciences for that. Plenty of documented evidence. So we say, let's turn the volume down. Let's see what we can do. Let's do an after-schools program to help to educate those kids so they stay in school longer, so they graduate school, so that they get a future, they get a hope. And in the meantime, 
we're weaving Jesus in and out of it. Have a look at the video and you'll get a picture of what I'm saying. Lazaren is a community in Bihor County, northwestern Romania, with a population of around 3,000. Within Lazaren, there is a large gypsy community with a population of 400 people. Making a community with 86 family units, these 86 families are split between 65 houses. The current employment status of the community is 2%, leaving 98% of its inhabitants unemployed. The Gypsy children were originally being educated through a private school that the Caleb Foundation successfully ran from 2002. This school was closed in 2010 due to a governmental decision to integrate the Gypsy children into state school to help reduce discrimination. Unfortunately, this decision has had a negative impact on the Gypsy children who daily face discrimination, resulting in their attendance to the state school dropping to 50%. Therefore, as a result of this, Caleb Foundation decided to initiate a number of initiatives to counteract this. We are providing an after-school program to help educate gypsy children between the ages of 7 to 14 years old, giving them the opportunity to access extra support to help them meet their state school targets and educational requirements. The project would run for 8 out of 12 months and look to give extra tutorials and incentives to each child, supporting each one of them to achieve their full potential in their education. The overall aim is to educate 60 children with 6 hours of extra tuition per week, 8 months of the year, providing them with 3 healthy meals per week. The children of Lazarene have the potential to change their community, region, and ultimately their nation. But without education or relational support, they will not be able to understand the world around them and engage in it. We believe in their education, in their future. We are excited about the impact that this project is already making in the lives of the children. We are encouraged by their success and how they are engaging with the program. But we need your support to keep the project going and to provide this much needed practical support to these future leaders. To find out more, go to www.protonfoundation.com. So we're turning the volume down. So who's in your world that you can turn the volume down? Is there maybe a single mom that you can offer free babysitting so that she gets air to breathe? Is there someone in your apartment block, maybe housebound, you could do shopping for? There may be people in your world that 
you are quite you're quite good at managing the budget, but they're absolutely hopeless and they're up to their neck in debt and you could actually help them to get a plan to move their lives forward. See, we have to turn the volume down. We have to meet the felt need. And when we meet the felt need and they experience goodness and mercy and kindness and love, then Jesus says this, then, says, then tell them the good news has come. <laughs> I want to tell you, for 35 years, I went opposite to this. I told people the good news and then did the other stuff afterwards. But that's not the way that it works. The way that it works is this. We manifest blessing. Sometimes through our mouth, sometimes through our actions. We build real friendships, not synthetic friendships. We find out a felt need. And by the grace of God, if we can meet it, we will. And if we can't, we ask him. And when people begin to experience, when people taste and see that the Lord is good, we, we begin to unpack to them what they've just tasted, what they've just felt, what they've just experienced. Say, that's Jesus. He's on you. He's into you. And there's a lot more to come to you where that stuff has come from. And I think there's not a person in this room this morning that could not start with stage one, start blessing. Start being kind. Start speaking out. Start speaking out over your neighbors. Start speaking out where you pick, where you, the normal place where you get gas from every week, the place where you do your shopping. Begin to, begin to bless that place. Begin to bless that girl on the checkout. Because as you begin to do that, spiritual roads will go from you to them, and connections will come. Friendships will emerge. Needs will be met. The volume will go down. And people know there's a God in heaven that loves them. I think there's not a person in this room that couldn't do that. Let's just bow in prayer for a moment. So, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. And, Father, we just say, let your kingdom come in our lives. We pray, Lord, every life in this room, we pray that you would fill them with fresh courage, fresh hope, I pray, Lord, this, this, this community of faith here, the rivers of blessing and goodness and mercy and love would flow out of lives into this community that they might know there's a God in heaven that loves them. And everybody said, God bless you. Good to be with you. Look, I, it's, a, it's a short little talk. I've got other resources outside that can really help you. There's a whole resource here called Bringing Heaven Down to Earth. Um, 13, 14 hours of more of this stuff that I've just talked to you about. There's one here called The Power of Transformation. How do you get transformed as a person? How do you transform your family, your street, your business, your school, your university, your class? They're all there. If you prefer other kinds of technology, then uh, there are CDs there as well. Trust that uh, you'll take them, you'll get blessed, and look forward to seeing you again. Good morning. God bless you.